0: Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today, a beautiful day to look into God's Word and ask Him to kind of uh, work on us, shape us, make us more into the people He wants us to be. Since September, all of our preaching themes have been united around this idea of hope, of hope, because we believe in a good God, a good God who is active and who's interested in entering into our human experience, and He's able to change it. By the grace of Christ, by His Holy Spirit, He is at work within us. He's able to change us. He's able to change our behavior, the way we think, the way we make decisions, what we do, change who we are so that we're becoming more and more like Him, more and more like Jesus Christ. We can learn to shed our sin-damaged emotions and, and take on more Christ-like emotions. We can take captive our sin-damaged minds and begin more, to think more Christ-like thoughts. We can stop pursuing sin-damaged habits and behaviors and instead get our lives to act more in harmony with Jesus Christ. We can become more generous, more forgiving, more confident. We live with integrity, consistency. We make decisions that bring honor to the Lord Jesus. We treat people differently because of Jesus alive in our hearts, and that should mean that we have hope for our relationships. Because our relationships, that's really where the rubber meets the road in all this conversation and talk about faith in Christ. If our connection to Christ doesn't make a difference in the way that we treat people, if it doesn't make a difference in our relationships, then we are seriously missing the boat about the purpose for which Christ died and rose again. Yes, he died so we could be forgiven of our sin, but it doesn't stop there. As I've said many times, Christ loves us just as we are, and he loves us too much to let us stay that way. Christ accepts us. Christ forgives us. But that's just phase one of His plan for your life. Phase two means personal transformation. Forgiveness, that can happen in, a, in an instant. His plan for your personal transformation is going to take the rest of your lifetime. Because we've got a lot of rocks to turn over, a lot of baggage to unpack, a lot of damage to heal. And often all that junk comes out mainly in our relationships at family, work, and school. Egos clash, personalities uh, rub each other the wrong way, agendas collide, opinions differ, power, control, conflict appear, fear, lust, and impulse, they all push our rational thinking aside. It is tough to live in Christ-like way when it comes to our relationships. One thread that has tied all of our messages on relationships together is this. Emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. You can't control all the various ways people interact with you or how they're going to. The only thing you can really control, the only thing that you can really do is how you respond. How do you treat those who mistreat or misunderstand you? Do I just do tit for tat? Do I get even with them? If they hit me, do I hit back? If they say something bad about me, do I say something worse back about them? Do I hold a grudge? Do I wound people because they wounded me? But then we realize, you know, we're no better than that other person is. Emotional and spiritual maturity is determined by your reaction to the demanding, the demeaning, the destructive, the disapproving people in your life, particularly those people who just drive you crazy. Now, anybody can fit into that category. Even the best of friends can get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we just need space, even from the people we love the most. I know there must be, you know, at least a couple things that I do that drive my wife crazy, you know? I'm not, I don't know what they are, but I'm sure she could tell you. We all have personality quirks and habits that are going to get under the skin of those that we're closest to. Some of those things we can fix, like i got to remember, put the dishes in the dishwasher, okay? But other things get so deeply ingrained in our personalities that maybe we just have to accept them in that person and not let it sour our relationship. That's just a normal part of any close relationship. But what seems to have changed in just the past few years is just how easily offended people are today in their wider circle of relationship. People just seem to be so touchy, so bruised, so willing to be offended, and then to react so vehemently to any perceived insult or snub. People are just sensitive uh, and, and so willing to even end relationships over small things. Just walk away, delete the person from your phone, block them on social media, rather than do any of that harder work on reconciliation and forgiveness. I think a lot of this is just a reaction to the level of stress in people's lives. Technology, the speed of information, the pace of life, it has all ramped up our perceived level of stress. And when people are stressed, they just get touchy. The slightest thing can set them off. Thankfully, Scripture has a lot to say about this and how we find ourselves drifting into that lane. The first thing we need to do is refuse to be offended. Just refuse to be offended. Proverbs 12, 16 says, When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known, but wise people will ignore an insult. Proverbs often sets up this dichotomy between the wise person and the fool. If you're wise, you're going to follow God's advice. God says, ignore the insult. If you respond insult for insult, God says, you're acting like a fool. Foolish people just give back what they're given. Somebody hurts me, I'm going to hurt them right back. But God says we're supposed to live a different way. When it comes to personal relationships, God says, get over it, you know. As much as you can, just try not to be offended by people. You know, we could be so thin-skinned that, you know, just about anything anybody does could offend you. But the consequences of that is that you're living a very unhappy life. One of the keys to happiness is just choose not to be offended, What I mean by that is just don't take everything so personally. No matter what's said, no matter what's being done, no matter how outrageous it might be, even the body language, you know, just you got to learn to let it go. You choose not to be offended. Because when people are rude and when people act their way, they're really revealing more about themselves than you. They're telling you what's inside of them, not what's inside of you. When people are mean or controlling, it's not really about you, it's about who they are it tells you that they've got a problem. So you don't have to be offended by the fact that they have a problem. The reality is in life, there are a lot of things we can get offended by. In fact, there are a lot of things we ought to be offended by. We should be offended by injustice in the world. We should be offended if people go to bed hungry while there's plenty of food available for everybody on the planet. We should be offended by racism. We should be offended that a baby's life can be taken while it's being born now, if you can even stomach some of the political decisions about late-term abortions that have been made recently. We should be offended by the exploitation of women and children and human trafficking. There are a lot of things we ought to be offended by. Let's save up our offended feelings for the things that really matter, okay? And not be offended by all these little petty personality squabbles or the fact that we may have to rub shoulders with difficult people. What we need to do is to pray and say, God, give me a tender heart, but a tough skin. Tender heart, tough hide. Usually we get at the opposite. We get thin-skinned and hard-hearted. God says, no, you should always have a tender heart. But you need to maybe get a little bit thicker skin so that not everything just sets you off. Not everything offends you. You don't have to get upset when somebody looks at you cross-eyed on the freeway or flips you off. It doesn't have to. To get to you. You don't have to get upset. You can just have a little bit thicker skin and a more tender heart. Somebody's rude to you, a clerk or something like that, you realize, you know, they're just having a bad day. We need to look past the immediate behavior and maybe think a little bit about what is their struggle? What what is their pain? What is the stress that they're under? Because everything we do is motivated by something, and when people are hurting others, it's usually because they're hurting on the inside. People who are living with fear or insecurity, they've got a painful past, or they've got some big pressure on their life, maybe you don't know about it. And one of the ways you can learn not to be offended by other people is to look past the immediate behavior and just think, I wonder what's causing them to be that way. Why are they being so short with me? Did they just get out of bed on the wrong side this morning or is it something more? Did they have a fight with their spouse or a friend right before they came here? Are they under tremendous financial pressure? You know, what's the thorn in their foot that's causing them to act that way? You look past the immediate behavior and think a little bit about what is the pain that they're under and try to understand. A tender heart, but a tough skin. The more you can understand somebody's background, the more grace you're going to be willing to share, show them. It doesn't excuse the bad behavior, but it helps you to understand. The people who you find the most difficult to deal with, the people who irritate you, that person in the office who's just obnoxious, you know, you may not really know anything about their background. And so, because, so consequently, we don't give them any slack, you know? We don't know what their life is really like outside of this circumstance. What was their home life growing up? Were they abused as a child? I mean, we don't know. Maybe they've burned through a lot of relationships and and their marriage is in jeopardy right now. We don't know their story. So we don't cut them any slack. You're not showing them grace. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. We don't have to get offended because wisdom leads to patience. When you understand What somebody's going through, when you understand their their current stress, when you know a little bit more about their story, then it's easier to show people grace. Again, it doesn't excuse the behavior, but it gives you more patience in dealing with them. What we're really talking about here is what love is all about in Scripture. Scripture teaches us to refuse to be offended by other people. It's actually an act of maturing love. It shows how much love you have in your heart. The more love you have in your heart, the harder it is going to be to offend you on a personal basis. The less love we have in our hearts, the easier it is to offend people. Proverbs 10, 12 says, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. That same sentiment is echoed in that great passage on love in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, when Paul wrote that, it wasn't about marriage at all. It was about general relationships within the church, And he said, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor, it's not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects and trusts and hopes, always perseveres. The more I am filled with love, the less I'm going to be upset with the demeaning, the demanding, the disapproving people of the world. So that's the first step. Choose to refuse to be offended. Don't take it personally. The second step is don't hold on to resentment over the past. Don't wait for that apology before you forgive. You know, many of us have an irritating person or a crazy person in our family. Maybe has said some hurtful things or hurt somebody who we love. And in our minds, we say, I know the Christian thing to do is to forgive, and, and so I will. I'll forgive as soon as they apologize. As soon as they apologize in the way that I want them to apologize, then I'll forgive. The problem is you're the one holding on to all the hurt. They may never ask for forgiveness. They may never say, I'm sorry, because first of all, they might not be sorry, okay? And so they're not going to say it, but also they might not even know the hurt that they've done. They don't get it. They don't even realize the damage that they've done. So you end up stewing over something. You hold on to resentment, maybe for years and years, something that you think they ought to be apologizing. It's eaten you up years later, and they don't even remember it. They don't even remember what happened. It's not hurting them. It's not keeping them up in the middle of the night. It's hurting you. It's like the old saying, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping the other person dies. It just doesn't work that way. Friends, forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. Letting go of a resentment is a gift that you give to yourself so that whatever happened in the past doesn't continue to control you or haunt you. Forgiveness drains the past of its pain. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself when you let go of resentment. You put it into God's hands. Now, forgiving doesn't mean you forget what happened. You're still going to remember, but the intensity or the pain level of that memory starts to go down. And so you need to put it in God's hand and stop holding on to resentment. Because if we're honest, we know that there have been times when maybe we've acted foolishly, and maybe we have been the ones who are on the other side of that need-to-be-forgiven equation, where we're the ones who should be apologizing, where we need the forgiveness of others. Jesus said in his most extreme circumstance when he was on the cross in Luke 23, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Not everyone who drives you crazy, who bugs you or hurts you, realizes what they're doing. They're just responding to their own hidden pain, and oftentimes they're not really that self-aware, so they don't really know kind of the bomb that they dropped in the middle of the circle. What do you do when you have a hard time forgiving? We all struggle with this. You need to have a good memory. Colossians 3, Paul writes, Bear with each other, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You need to have a good memory and remember how much it took for Christ to forgive you. What a hard time you gave him as he forgives you. Remember the great gift of His forgiveness for you, that makes you a lot more willing to forgive the actions of others. It's not a bad verse to memorize, Colossians 3.13. Carry it through the day because I'm willing to bet good money that this week you're going to have a chance to forgive somebody. Something's going to happen this week where you could choose to be offended and feel wounded and all upset, or you'll be able to let it go and forgive that person who would normally drive you crazy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. I would like to have God's blessing in my life. I'm sure you would like to have God's blessing on your life. One of the ways Jesus told us we get that is by being merciful. Tender heart, tough skin. It keeps you from being torn up by resentment and anger. And then thirdly, on a very practical level, you have to refuse to gossip about the person. Now, this is a tough one when we feel offended to refuse to gossip because when we've got somebody in our life and they've done the craziest thing, it's almost impossible not to pull out that cell phone and call somebody and say, you won't believe what so-and-so just did. In fact, you're texting while they're doing it, you know? That's what we do. We want somebody else to know. We want affirmation from other people about how horribly we're being treated. It's the most difficult thing in the world to let go of gossip, but in the New Testament, Gossip is always included in the list of the most heinous sins. And the real, all the really big sins, gossip is always there. God put a big price tag on the sin of gossip because it, it really offends him. So pick out any sin in any other person that really offends you and realize gossip in God's mind is right up there next to it. We want to say, hey, you won't believe what so-and-so just did. It may feel good at the time, but you've got to remember, you are offending the Lord Jesus every time you do that. The Bible says, love even your enemies. One more verse from Proverbs 17, 9 says, disregarding other people's faults preserves love, but gossiping separates close friends. Has that ever happened to you? A little bit of gossip and all of a sudden a relationship is over. One definition of gossip is sharing a slanted opinion with somebody who's not part of the solution and not part of the problem. They might not have had anything to do with what's going on, but you have now brought them into it so that you can feel better. Gossip in its essence is retaliation. You're getting back at someone without talking with them, just by talking about them with others. And it's incredibly destructive in families, in churches, in relationships. It's destructive even in the office place. It separates people. First Peter 3.9 says, Do not do wrong to repay a wrong, and do not insult to repay an insult. Repay with a blessing, because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. Again, the same point as the other Scripture. You can gossip, but that means you're not going to get God's blessing. But if instead you choose not to gossip, you go to the high ground, turn the conversation in a more positive direction, God says, you're gonna get my blessing for doing that. So God does have something to say about how we deal with these crazy-making people in our lives. Refuse to be offended. Don't take it personally. Consider kind of the background that they're going through. Second, don't wait for the apology. Go ahead and offer forgiveness because forgiveness frees your heart. And because you forgive, that doesn't mean you put yourself in a position for that person to hurt you again or take advantage of you. And forgiveness does not automatically mean that you trust again because trust and forgiveness are two different things. Forgiveness can be instant. Trust is earned over time. That's an important distinction. And don't say when you forgive, well, it wasn't that bad, you didn't really hurt me. No, no, no. Don't minimize what happened. Just acknowledge the hurt, but you don't stay there. Don't wallow in it. And then third... Don't gossip. I'm not going to talk about this with other people. When people are driving this crazy, it's easy to get hooked into this game, but it becomes a waste of energy and time. One last verse from Proverbs 26, where it says, Just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a quarrelsome person keeps an argument going. Don't engage with crazy people, okay? Stay out of the internet chat rooms, okay? Don't take it personally. Just go ahead and forgive them even when people don't deserve it. And make a promise to yourself, I'm not gonna gossip, I'm gonna shut my mouth and not do that, refuse to go down that lane. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask Jesus to give me the strength of character to take that high ground and return love no matter what is thrown at me. Folks, the hope of Christ is at work in you. He is changing you as you yield to him. Don't get discouraged if this doesn't happen overnight And it's not easy. Christ's plan for your transformation is gonna take a lifetime. But each day we can begin with this, this simple prayer and I'll end with this. Lord Jesus, take my life, take my emotions, take my actions, help me to live for you. Help me to build godly, healthy relationships. Help me to be a positive person filled with hope so that others might see you alive in me, amen.